just gonna pour it in. Pour it all on. Pour it all wait, on wait, that wait, glass. How about, how about the first sip? Hold on one second. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh God. Let's turn mm. into an ASMR podcast real quick. I'm gonna scratch that. Oh my. Mm. <laughs> we have a guest this Guys, time. Guys, we have a guest. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Your favorite weekly ASMR podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Spoil- Your weekly podcast bringing us sweet treats from the world of music. Spoiler alert, this one's going to be really asmr <laughs> Are you just going to talk like that the whole no, time? No, I'm, I'm done now. All right, all right. <laughs> well, I, now can't, we- I can't keep it up. It takes too much of my breath. You were being yeah. very sensual with your mic. Very sensual. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, hold on, I got it. Ladies, there you go. <laughs> We're in a really small room, and it's hot in here. Even and I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweating. <laughs> I don't have pants on. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. We're it is, ladies. It is technically accurate. Yes. Neither of us are like, wow. We are not even trying to stay on any sort of fucking track today. Yeah. And but I anyway. think that is very, Ooh. very <laughs> apropos to this episode. Uh, sidebar: Have you guys ever played the? Uh, what's uh, what would uh, what I call that? Mm, the cover band game. I think it was invented by Paul and Storm and Will Wheaton. Oh, I love Paul and Storm. So, for example, uh, I would say, like in, for example, in a D and D campaign, oh dear, this room is lousy with orcs, and then you would say, lousy with orcs is my Guar cover band. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I see what you're mm-hmm. doing there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. It's a great game. Great well, to whip we, out of parties. We did, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but we did come up with the Vampire Weekend cover bands. Horchata Mondays <laughs> is our, yes. is our yeah, yeah, Horchata yeah, Mondays nice. cover band. So you know what? Honestly, we have played this mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We play yep. this game every episode. And it's also a lot of, like, we drink and we forget things. Yeah. Wow, you're like the opposite of a Tyrion. Yeah, no. Tyrion's real smart. Yeah. 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 We're the opposite. We are not there. But, uh... We got a very special episode this weekend. Yes. Shall our guest introduce himself? Since he has already gotten real sensual. <laughs> I've already just... He's already dropped a lot of panties in the first two minutes, so... Um... I've already made sweet, sweet love to your aural cavities. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Uh, That's why it's hot in here. I'm, yeah. I'm Not Andy. it's a closet. Hi, the, Andy. This... Hi, Andy. <laughs> hey, Hi. <laughs> The this time not so silent producer of the V Spot podcast. <clears throat> Shameless plug vspot.fm. <laughs> I mean, you can also legit plug it at the we'll, end. We'll save that for the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, save uh, it for the end. Formalities. And I am uh, I, I am a bohab. You are <laughs> a what? A bohab. Sorry, it spoiler is... alert. It's not a spoiler because it's. I assume it yeah. relates to today's episode. It does, and today's episode is all about guar. Because fuck yeah, because why not? <laughs> so a bohab is a very, uh, very special guar. A, a very devoted guar fan or slave or slave. Oh. Yes, and it is short for hab- habitually boring. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that checks flipped, out. shortened, flipped. So bohab. Uh-huh. Okay, bohab. and there's like a Bohab Nation or something like that. Um, That's not what it's called. Uh, I think the official Guar fan club is the the Ultimate Slavery. I think it is. something like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's like the Ultimate Slavery. Ultimate Bohab or whatever. Isn't yeah. It? Well, um, That's a song. Yeah, Ultimate Bohab's a song. Okay. I think it's the. Uh, the ah, I can't fucking remember. Oh my god. 
Well, the reason we have Andy on is because, as far as we know, not only is he a pod friend, but also huge Guar fan. Oh my god, pod friends. Pod friends, <laughs> Guar fans. Oh my god. We're going to put our microphones in a circle and dance around them and be pod friends. We can't dance in this room. No, we can't. You're you're stuck between a lot of my dresses. I am. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is also Maggie's closet, so trapped in. Oh, we are we all trapped in a closet. Can't do that oh, anymore. Yeah, we can't mm. do that. Fuck. All right, never mind. I don't know shit about Guar. You don't, but, but we from do. What I know is that they're pretty awesome, actually. They're so great, oh. and that everyone should invest at least a little time. I mean, I I did listen gl- to a little music. The music's fine. Guar is not for everyone. But I do wish I've gone to a concert. But a Guar show yeah, is for everyone. Everyone should, at some point in their lives, go to a Guar show just to say that you've been to one and lived through it. Yeah, just to say you survived the slaughter. Yeah. That yeah. you went there and your friends, your family, your acquaintances <laughs> yeah. all died. They were all slaughtered in mass. And hey... Here you are. Yeah. Yep. And you don't even have to enjoy it. You don't even have to be in the pit. You can watch from afar. That's fine. Yep. Just go to one. It's for everybody. I wish really. I'd been to one. I was invited to one I mean, once. I didn't go. I mean, you have plenty more chances to go. All right. They, they can't stop, won't stop. Oh, okay. Running theme for Guar, can't stop. <laughs> Yeah. Won't stop. Okay, good. Can't no matter stop. how much you beg, <laughs> please stop. Yeah. Can't stop. Will not fucking no, stop. No, oh, se- did you say stop? We're going to go harder. No, seriously, I think I'm developing a fistula. I, You need to yes. stop. <laughs> Fistulas are what keeps us going. Uh, before we go into the episode itself, I would like to also introduce our other special guest, The Beer. <laughs> oh, hello, beer. Nice to have you here. Like, You're oh, here every for, every fucking week or whatever. Beer is not you. great to sip like a tea or coffee. That wasn't that wasn't necessarily a pleasant experience yes. for me. Oh, I mean, did it go up your nose? Count. It goes up your nose. It, it kind of shot down my throat in an yeah. unpleasant fashion. Wow, you did. It. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> but so this week we are drinking from Against the Grain Brewery Bloody Show. Which makes a lot of sense. It's fucking appropriate. That is what guar shows are. Up yeah. Bloody. They really are a bloody show. And it's fantastic. It's a lager with blued orange. <laughs> Actually, the can's real cute. Uh, but is, also, too, I can. have had this before. I have enjoyed it because um, someone thought it would be funny to bring it to a party who works in the medical industry because bloody show is actually a reference to uh, when you give birth and how much fucking blood comes out between like the baby and the placenta. Reason number 5,481 why I will never have children. Yeah, it's a fucking bloody show. Yeah, no, good. I don't need my vagina ripped open. Also the reason why when in the far-flung future, uh, Danielle and I have children, when she goes into labor, I'm going to be like, going to see Guar, see you guys later. I mean, there's no difference. No. Yeah, there really there's isn't. no difference. Yeah. I'm going to be covered in various fluids, so hey, she whatever. She should just give birth on stage. Oh my god, you guys would definitely get in for free. I'm pretty sure we could make that happen. <laughs> that would be pretty yeah. fucking rad, actually. Can you? Let do me that? cut the umbilical for you. Can we you? sync that up? Can Guar yeah. be would, in the hospital? No. Oh. Would, yeah, like how down would Danny be for that? Uh, very much. And <laughs> Ballsack, the Jaws of Death, would. Definitely have to cut the umbilical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really the only way. <laughs> yeah, that yep. actually sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> oh my god. Um, all right. I mean, I think I think we've 
covered our bases, right? We yeah, know we who can, everyone we can is. Start the fucking oh, bloody show now. I'm Maggie. Oh yeah, I am Ashley. <laughs> we always forget to introduce ourselves. People know. Do they, they know? They don't know. They Nobody don't give knows. A shit. They don't, Whatever. They don't give a shit. Like we sound like we're the same person. I don't I, think we do, but still, nobody really knows who's who. I'm looking yeah. at your meat faces, and I don't even know. <laughs> meat faces. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I, right. I, with that, I think you guys can uh, start this show bloody show. Yeah, start the bloody show. So, Guar is legendary. And truthfully, Guar is gross. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, like everything I've really fucking gross. If you have ever had the privilege of going to a Guar show, you know that you don't wear clothes you'd expect to wear again because you know that you're going to get a giant latex cuttlefish cock spewing monster pee in your face. Gross. And I'll explain that later. Let it develop. Yeah. <laughs> let, let it breathe? Let it let it sit there for a L- bit. Like a fine wine, Guar needs to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to see a band of outer space battle warriors that have terrorized, skull-fucked, sodomized, maimed, and killed their way through the universe, corrupting the human race with their extraordinary vulgarity and unrivaled violence. Each Guar show isn't just a concert. Yeah, you go because you like metal, but you truly get your money's worth. You get these sweet tunes, but you also get a theatrical performance. All the characters in the Guar lexicon wear crazy monster costumes with intricate details, from the tippy tops of their horns to the bottoms of their multi-clawed feet. Made out of latex and rubber, these costumes have become legendary in their own right. Enough so that Guar has multiple production warehouses around the country that create everything they need for their shows. What? And one cannot forget the massive amount of blood, sweat, and tears, real and fake, not to mention piss and cum, that accompanies- Real and fake? Real and fake. Depending on the time. Maybe. Depending on the time. <laughs> yes. Yikes. That accompanies every Guar show. Expect to be doused in liquids from start to finish and never be able to wear that- ill-advised white t-shirt ever again i will say a white t-shirt now when you go to it a can guar, be a trophy now when you go to a guar show you can identify two various types of people mm-hmm. there are the bohabs that are wearing their white shirts sometimes adorned with artistic renderings of characters or phrases such as jizz here mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can find the other sect of people wearing their high heels with their high heel boots that go up to their knees, yep. their fishnets, their shorty short shorts, and their black other band t-shirts. Why? These are the scene kids. Oh. Or the newbies. They either don't know what's about to happen to them, or they don't care because, dude, like, another show is playing it upstate and we just have to go. <laughs> oh my god, is that a real thing? Did you know Devil Driver is opening oh, for them? Please. Yeah. Please. I oh my god. Alright, I didn't know that was a real thing. Yeah. Fucking oh. see, fucking scene kids, man. Alright. I'm learning so much tonight. <laughs> you gonna learn today. I'm gonna get my learn on. <laughs> You're gonna <laughs> The intent was always to shock and disgust, but somewhere along the way, Guar gained a huge cult following. The combination of amazing prop and costume creation and musicianship and a huge dose of politically incorrect humor resonated with a lot of 90s kids. And despite constant lineup lineup changes and a couple and very unfortunate deaths, Guar has continued to kick Mm. humanity's ass through the present day. I'm sad even with that line. Am I going to have to buckle up, buckaroo? Oh, you kind of 
Kind of, sort of. Like yeah. 80s style seatbelt? No. Mm. No. It's, like where it's a little it's not safe, a, but not really It's safe. not a Wendy O. Williams kind of thing. No, but it's good. sad. It's fucking yeah, sad. Yeah, and... I'm not going to, like, there, rip your heart out there's or a, anything. There's a general theme and a message that you guys have that's going to come back. God damn it. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I already oh, know what okay. it is. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I already know what it is. Yeah. Spoilers, honey. Spoilers. <laughs> Guar was one part the brainchild of Dave Brocky. Dave was an adopted kid from Ottawa, Canada that grew up in Virginia and thrived on punk and metal. He's Canadian. This all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, he was originally Canadian, but he grew up in Virginia. Still? Yeah, no accounts. He attended Robinson Secondary School, one of the biggest high schools in the state, and was the unequivocal leader of the, his punk clique. Despite the fact that Robinson Secondary had roughly 5,000 students, which is mind-bottling That's to me. Not Mind-bottling? Yes. You put your mind in a bottle. Yes. It's bottling, it's boggling, it's bobbling. Yeah. It is all of the B words. Like- <laughs> That is literally twice the size of my entire hometown. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. That's amazing. Yeah. Dave made sure he stood out, whether it was with clothes, the music he listened to, or his brash, fearless, and unapologetic attitude. After graduating high school, he made his way to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, where he majored in art and experimented in prop making, not to mention a whole lot of drugs. Which... Yeah. Fun fact, he got his original drug habit from his brother. Uh, Good job, brother. Who was... <laughs> I learned it from watching you! <laughs> I learned it from... <laughs> Man, I don't have a good Brocky impersonation, which is a real bummer right now, but I learned it from watching you, brother. <laughs> there you go. That's very just, Randy Savage. Just, oh, my yeah. God. Ooh, yeah. I see it, brother. <laughs> Snap into some heroin. Snap, in, <laughs> Snap into some no! Snap out of heroin. Snap out of heroin. Oh, my God. That should be our catchphrase. Snap, Snap out, out of heroin. heroin. Oh, yes. man. Timely for Endgame. Ooh. Oh. Too soon? I'm, I'm acting like I know what you're fucking talking about. It's fine. But it's fine. Just, no. just roll with it. By 1984, Dave was in a band called Death Piggy. <laughs> All right. He's already on brand. All right. Uh, have, in fact, spray painted a Death Piggy logo on the side of a van at a barbecue. Amazing. As, as you're supposed to do. <laughs> as one does. As one does. Death Piggy was a trashy shock comedy punk band that was already getting gigs in Richmond, opening for and outperforming Wendy O. Williams. <gasps> I don't know how I feel about that. I'm okay with it. Like, but it makes performing. sense. Yeah, but I'm. Yeah. I'm still frustrated that ways. she didn't get more attention. She didn't get her due. Oh, we all. Yeah, we all. We are. should be. Yeah, we should be. Yeah. Because Richmond was basically the murder capital of the U.S. in the mid '80s, oh, yeah. and the real estate market there was pretty much equivalent to modern day Detroit, abandoned warehouses were abundant often taken over by squatters looking to make some easy cash renting out space. Death Piggy rented space in an abandoned bottling plant called the Richmond Dairy from a group of hippies that did exactly that. Woo, dairy! (laughs) They dairied out? Woo, the dairy! Yeah. That is the only time you'll hear me go, woo, dairy! (laughs) Here he met two other tenants named Hunter Jackson and Chuck Varga, who were musicians and costumers in their own right. 
Hunter Jackson was particularly good at costumes, and Dave recruited him to create some fun threads for Death Piggy. Hunter and Chuck also used the bottling plant as a studio for an artist collective called The Slave Pit, where they planned to film their movie Scum Dogs of the Universe. Oh. um, Hunter Jackson is... Boy, I can't wait to... He's just a... He's a very talented guy. He is really he is very good at what he does and when death piggy ran into hunter jacks it's this is one of those like things of you know the stars align and people come together (laughs) and chuck varga too who've i've I've met him a couple of times and he's a very very nice man the movie was very guar-esque maybe like og guar the original guar the the super very the prototype prototype proto guar yes This meant there were a lot of badass-looking props and costumes left over after filming was done, and it would be a shame to just throw them away after Hunter spent so much time making them. So Dave came up with a great idea for reusing them. Start a monster metal band. All right. This checks. Yeah. All right. He already had- Like you do. Yeah. Like you do. He already had Death Piggy performing shows, so he recruited the same members of that band to open for themselves, but as an intergalactic band of monster warriors from Antarctica. Okay. They called this new band Guar. What? Wait, what is it? Guar. Like Arnold, like Arnold Schwarzenegger saying Guar. Saying anything. Saying anything. The band. The band I like to see. This band's name is Guar. What am I signed up for? You signed up for Guar. Oh my god. Get to the chopper. Nice. Oof. Nice. Nice. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ed played a bunch of jokey nonsense songs and they sacrificed fake animals. Okay. Full of Carol syrup blood. Yes. Delightful. That's that good, good shit. A lot of sticky stuff. That good, good. It's sticky shit. It's fucking sticky though. Oh yeah. Soon enough, Dave realized a lot of people were coming to see Gwargle and not staying to see Death Piggy. So Gwargle was the ticket. So Death Piggy was disbanded and the new band's name was shortened and Gwar was born. Okay. Gwar was born. I had to. I'm sorry. I had to. Move over, Lady Kaga and Bradley Cooper. Fuck off, you guys. Aguar was born. Can we can we remake that movie again, again, again with Guar? With Guar, yes, It'd yes, be a we much, can. Because much, that would be like what the seventh remake of that fucking yeah. movie. I would actually go see it. All right, I'd view it with my eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. You my actual do, do, eyeballs. Do we need to? Uh, you know, I think at points throughout this, we should do a check in with Maggie to make sure she's still here <laughs> and she's still with us and, and still. <laughs> Enjoying, the and she ride. hasn't had such a deep laugh that she like can't breathe anymore. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you need to pee at any point, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, you it's going to turn into a guar concert. It's yes. going to turn into a guar show. And you have carpeting in here. That's not good. Yeah, no, that's, that's not good. And that's going to stain. That's going to stain. <laughs> I'm in the farty chair. Last <laughs> thing I need to do is pee in the farty chair. Ooh. Awkward. It'll come this out. is really. Then it would be is... the wet farty chair, Hold and on. nobody likes wet farts. I think we're really turning into a Guar podcast right now. Uh, I'm fine wet... with that. Can we do that? The yeah. wet farty chair is my Cure cover band. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
1986, prop production for Guar was in full swing at the dairy. A friend named Don Draculich. Is it Draculich or Draculich? Ooh, I like Draculich. I like Draculich. You know, I'm not... Draculich! <laughs> Dig through the ditches and burn through the witches. Relevant to later in this episode. Draculich! Draculich! Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say that's what you're calling him now. Okay. You I'm know, gonna fuck I, if that's his name. I don't actually know what is the proper pronunciation. I assume I think, it's Draculich, but I think he's it's, cool with either. Honestly, it's Draculich now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> For the purposes of this episode, a Draculich. Yeah. So Don Draculich had started up a studio there as well, and the year before that, another friend named Mike Delaney started a studio called The Swamp. The Slave Pit, The Swamp, and Don's studio all had the same goal in mind, encourage a group mentality and everybody will benefit. Okay. That was especially true when it came to making Guar the weirdest, filthiest, most bestial band out there. They all collaborated together to create Guar's first round of props and costumes, and after a few band member changes, by late 1986, they had solidified their lineup. And take that with a grain of salt, because I don't think Guar ever really solidified their lineup. There was like a constant rotation of musicians coming in and out of the band, and because of that, a lot of new characters were developed. Every time a new person came into the band, there was a new character. So they had like literally hundreds of characters. Um. At first, Dave was one of three guitarists in the band, but it was pretty apparent to everyone that he was not good at it. Oh, very, very he bad was at a it. a shit guitar player. <laughs> he was marginally better at bass, so he played that for a bit until ultimately deciding he was much better as lead vocalist. Okay. Those delicious baritones. He has oh. a great voice. He does, though. Speaking voice, singing voice, he was really good. I'm here for it. In addition to Dave, Hunter Jackson, Don Draculich, Mike Delaney, and Chuck Varga were all in the band. Friends Mike Bonner, Scott Crawl, and Dave Musil also joined. Now they had to think of a backstory for this misfit group of monsters and create personas for each person in the band. Because just being themselves isn't enough. It's no. not enough. It's never enough. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure you know how space aliens work. Yeah. I, I don't. Please explain. <laughs> The backstory is as follows. In the beginning of time, there was a being called the Master, a creature the size of, the, of a planet that was apparently very bored, so he created life. He enjoyed making all the beings he created fight each other, so he created the scum dogs of the universe to carry out all of his warmongering desires. The scum dogs wreaked terror and destruction on every planet they came across, sacrificing the inhabitants in the name of the Master. But their desire for war and chaos became so big that they rebelled against the master. When the ensuing battle was said and done, the scum dogs were defeated and Guar was banished to the worst piece of shit planet in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere. Earth. A remote mudball of a planet, if yes, you will. Yes, a mudball. Yeah, this is... this checks. But Guar had a grand old time on Earth. They immediately set out creating chaos in their new home, screwing all the animals and giving birth to the human race. You gotta bone those apes. Yeah, bone them. Bone right. the apes. I mean... Bone down. We share a common ancestor. And it is Gwar. It's Gwar. <laughs> oh my god! We figured out evolution! <laughs> yeah. Gwar is the missing link. Missing link discovered. Congratulations. He's on... It was beefy. You're welcome, scientists. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. I mean, like, within the same month, Black Hole and the Missing Link. Got you're it. You're welcome, science. Science. 
Enraged by all the fun they were having, the Master sent Techno Destructo to Earth to see what the fuck was going on. The Master was not happy with Guar's shenanigans, so he banished them to a frozen prison in Antarctica. Millions of years passed. Then, because of all the hairspray used by hair metal bands in the 1980s causing a rift in the ozone layer, Guar's icy prison began to melt. You always knew there'd be consequences for Bon Jovi and Axl Rose. Yeah. Yeah. No, we did, though. And here it is. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the jungle, baby. You gonna die! on me <laughs> maggie maggie you with us yeah okay. for now for now yeah, right, cool. here. now i'm still here okay still good. here at the same time a music mogul slash underworld boss named sleazy p martini was shot down over antarctica while on the run from the irs oh sleazy p <laughs> hey you fucking guys hey, hey guys i'm, I'm flying here <laughs> Hey, wow that's a very good impersonation get yourself to the back of the line with, with your feet, feet and, and your shirt, shirt. <laughs> yay catchphrases <laughs> the only thing that spared his life was a hell of a lot of crack that he got guar addicted to oh my god he brought guar back to the u.s taught them how to play instruments and became their manager taught them taught them i used Air quotes. <laughs> In case you couldn't see. hear it on the uh, on the recording, he did use air quotes. <laughs> and now, <sighs> and now, Andy is going to give a dramatic reading of the origins of Guar. According to Guar, so you know that like author thing, you know, what they have bias. I don't know. So they wrote their own history. They wrote their own oh, history. Okay. That thing. Well, yeah. Why don't you tell us real quick what's the book you brought? So uh, I will, yeah, I'll cite my sources. Um, cite your sources, bitch. This is English class. English class, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my primary source, aside from my own brain case, is <laughs> "Let There Be Guar" by uh, Guar, a compilation by Guar, compiled by Bob Gorman and Roger Gastman. We'll talk more about them. Yes, we will. At least Bob Gorman. We won't mm-hmm. talk about Roger. I don't know who Roger is. <clears throat> Millions of years ago, Guar rampaged across a galaxy with a gang of space pirates called Scumdogs of the Universe. Falling out of favor with their master, the Master, they were imprisoned on the most remote mudball in the universe, Earth. They killed off the dinosaurs and inadvertently created the human race by having sex with apes. After that... Guar influenced the development of the planet until one wild gig destroyed Atlantis. Then it was decided that they should be frozen and entombed in Antarctica to prevent them from screwing up Earth any further. Several thousands of years later, Sleazy P. Martini, known pimp, pusher, pornographer, and record business executive for Capitalist Records, accidentally stumbled onto their Antarctic tomb and awakened them. He took them to New York, gave them electric guitars, and began to market them as his latest rock and roll sensation. Some of Guar's adventures are chronicled in their albums, comics, and vidyas, but some are still. Plenty of Guar stories await to be told. It's very good. Wait, wait, wait. 
Oh, thank you. Snaps, snaps all around. So snaps so, in a Z formation. So are they the reason that the polar ice caps are melting? No, that is the fault That's of the hair Axel metal Rose and Bon and John Bon Jovi <laughs> and Vince Neil and Republicans and Republicans. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Fuck you, Big Oil. <laughs> Sorry, we're not a political podcast. Fuck your CFCs. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So <laughs> Dave Brocky's character, Odorus Arungus, was Gore's de facto leader. He was nearly 50 billion years old. Years old. I mean, very, just very old. But very old. He looked old. great for his I mean, age. He really, he really just took did. care of himself. He did. Omega-3s. Yeah. It's yeah. all that crack. Damn, damn fatty acids and that crickety crack. <laughs> crickety That's crack. That's it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> now we know what I gotta do. He was born to a supercomputer father and a petri dish of a mother. He was assembled on the planet Scumdogia, thrown into a gladiatorial arena immediately after he was brought to life, and forced to kill the quote-unquote slow tards oh, that no. were trying to mm-hmm. rape him. Oh, okay. It comes what back. What a way to grow up. Oh, it comes back. It, back. it makes sense later, Maggie. Okay. Yeah. Just listen. Take your seatbelt. Buckle in. Enjoy Buckle the up, ride. Buckaroo. I'm here. Ooh-wee. He was given a sword that he always had by his side, which he named Untlick, <laughs> as well as the Cuttlefish of Cthulhu, which is basically a giant dick shaped like a cuttlefish. It has eyes and kind of a mouth. Yeah. It squirts things. <laughs> wait, wait. Hold, I, Maggie, I can find you a picture if you give me yeah, a minute. Hold I, on. I, yes. uh, the only thing he really, truly gives a shit about is crack. He loves his crack. Can I ask a question? Say you crack may. again. Can you say crack again? Crack. No. <laughs> but also, do they really do crack like IRL? Because we've kind of referenced drugs at this point. Um, or is it just like, is it like a fun hot buzzword for their I band mean, and their it's, image? It's a big thing for their image, but also maybe... Okay. We'll get into it later. Yeah. All right. We'll, All right. Words will be had. Yeah. All right. <laughs> words. I wasn't trying to steal your had. future thunder, but I am insanely curious. We will probably, maybe, answer it later. Okay. Probably, maybe. <laughs> it could happen. The first odorous costume was nothing like what it is today. He was pretty normal looking in those early days, wearing a helmet with tinfoil spikes and claw feet. Perfectly normal. Yeah. Eventually, odorous mo- morphed into the demonic beast we know today. Rubber wig with horns and a spiked crown, a fetid, almost, I want to say ground beef looking face. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty ground beef. Was he the guy talking in the ASMR video? No, that, no, that wasn't that's, him. Uh, that's a different one. There's Odorous. Oh, yeah. So yeah. originally what um, what the human slave Brocky did for Odorous was glue cornflakes to his face. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like he like glued cornflakes and then just put like paint over it. Like a poor man's Freddy Krueger? Kind of. Yeah, right. yeah very, you know, very Freddy Krueger. Kind of, and also literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. He had giant shoulder pads with massive World War I spikes, huge clawed feet, and all the BDSM jock straps and fishnets you can handle. Hot. Can I, mean, I, his butt looked real can good. Can I throw this out there? Sure. Brocky had a fucking phenomenal ass. He did. <laughs> like, he really oh, did. Like, whoa, ladies, that butt. I'd slap that butt. Oh, uh, sorry. A that, that's a little presumptuous. Whoa, ladies. <laughs> 
and gentlemen. <laughs> Deadass. He had a very kind of leather daddy kind of look to him. Yeah, right. like Odorous's skin was a rash color red, and honestly, he's so horror movie terrifying that I think if he were in Odorous's presence, even the Lord of Darkness would pee his shorts a little bit. All right. From Legend. But no, I know you what know, you're talking okay. about. You think he looks like Glacier Hot Dogs. He does look like Glacier Hot Dogs. <laughs> Bringing that back. But uh, I mean, I will say when I think of Guar, his face is what comes to mind. Because that's really all I know yeah. is their crazy costumes with, and blood. With Orderus, it was... Orderus is always pretty much under the control of Brocky. He, it was... Yeah. B- because he went to VCU and he was an artist... He originally drew Orderus is just a sketch, and it is even more grotesque and fucked up than actual Orderus looks like. It's hard to make that happen in person. But in but 1986, you only had so many resources. You do what you exactly. can do with your limited knowledge of foam latex and duct tape, pretty much. Yeah. And since Orderus is kind of always his his brainchild and the thing that he worked on, he really shaped it into being the thing that he wanted, which is why, kind of out of all the Guar characters, Orderus ends up being really the most well-formed into a, oh, yeah, I, I get that. You gross. Yeah. He's constantly you, evolving. You, and you can, you if you see, like, photos in chronological order, you can be like, oh, this all makes total I get sense. It. Yeah. And Brocky just- We should a, probably put that, like, on our Instagram. Yeah, definitely. During the week is, like, just, like, his progression. Yeah. I will I will lend you this book, and you can take all the pictures you want from it, because they are, there are a lot Oh, I'm, a lot I'm of, seeing that. There are a lot of good, good photos. Better ones you can find on Google, because Google image search for Guar fucking sucks. Yeah, it's really bad. But uh, Brocky, informing Orderus, uh, you know, he had this unique vision of him. It became, th- like, there's a moment where the two, they two do become kind of the same thing. They sort of meld into each other, where the personas for become better one or another. Worse. For, for better, better or, or worse. For better or worse, yes. Yeah. Hunter Jackson's character, Techno Destructo, would become the main villain in Guar's canon. Sweet. Sweet irony. Yeah. He was originally friends with Odorous, working alongside him before Guar was banished. After Guar escaped Antarctica, Techno traveled to Earth to convince Guar to go back to Scumdogia. When they refused, Techno vowed to destroy them. Yeah, it is, like, bittersweet irony. Oh. We will get to it. Techno Destructo looks pretty much like a normal dude except for the gigantic monkey wrench of an arm and the oversized backpack that serves as its power source. His favorite activity is drinking lube and jerking off to popular mechanics. Like you do. As you do. You know, I'm really more put off by the drinking lube than anything yeah. else. Are you yeah. though? Yeah. Yeah. Jerking okay, off to enough. popular mechanics, fine. Like you drink drink lube? Too. Drinking lube? Oh shit. Oh shit, that wrench. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a wrench arm. Maybe the wrench arm controls. How he's jerking it. Maybe. This giant nuclear backpack. Hey, look, I don't kink shame nobody, but don't drink lube. I feel like that's not good for you. That's probably not healthy. Yeah. Not healthy. Even if it's water based. Uh, Yeah. Ooh, no. And he has been described as coming from, quote, beyond Venus, beyond Jupiter, and that's way past Uranus, buddy. Ah! Yes. 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 Sexecutioner was the character originally played by Mike Delaney, but upon his departure in 1987, Chuck Varga took his place. Sexecutioner's origins are a bit muddy. Some say Odorous summoned him from a ritual. Some say he's from France. Well, I mean, I'd say France. He, he it say, could be both. He do say he from France. Yeah. Doesn't he have a French accent? Kinda. Kinda. 
Guar's official website, however, says he's from the genital V system. Whatever that is. Which is France. Yeah, yeah that's vain. France. Which is France. Yeah. Look Either it up. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, his costume is straight up BDSM inspired with an underbite and massive sharp teeth protruding from it. Hot. By the time 1987 rolled around, the band added Nippolis Erectus, Flatus Maximus, Beefcake the Mighty, and Ballsack the Jaws of Death to the lineup. And their first full-time female band, band member... Uh, Slymenstra Hyman came on board in 1988. Progressive. I have to say, I'm going to give props where props are due. Guar pretty much always had a female uh, band member. Oh, which is that's pretty awesome. Um, whether they were part of the band or slaves, um, they also had one of their major villains was a female. Was Skullhead Face was female technically, technically female. yes, and and Slymenstra was. A, you know, as as far as like things in the eighties and nineties go, Sly Menstra was an equal to Odorous yes. and uh, she Techno was like a full fledged member of she, the band. She was like you know right there the with everyone. And even in the very very early days, they always had Guar Woman, Guar yeah. Woman One, Guar Woman Two, <laughs> and they weren't just in like a, in a chicks in bikinis dancing on stage. They were always part powerful. of their myth. They were part of they their were fucking shit up. Yeah. yeah. They were right. fucking and killing and doing all the same shit that all the other members of Gore did. They were always powerful female kind yeah. of characters. Never okay. just like a, oh my god, here's my tip. <laughs> I have a lot yeah. of Aquanet in my hair. I love Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, no. They oh my were... god, Axl Rose. Look at you over there. <laughs> Ooh, but let's not. Ooh. Isn't he like 5'2"? I'm more of a Dave Mustaine girl. He's 5'7". Still shorter than me. <laughs> Jesus, he's also five seven around nowadays. Oh, oh hot takes! Those hot, hot takes you cut here takes. for. <laughs> Fuck. By then, they had a serious cult following in Virginia. Fans went nuts for their stage shows, which weren't limited to crazy costumes, but interactive sets that involved their audiences. Concert goers expected craziness, but as Guar's live shows got more sophisticated, the more the fans expected to be doused in fake blood, piss, and jizz, and were treated to mock sacrifices of animals and celebrities alike. Mockery, humiliation, and dismemberment of political, religious, and pop culture figures is a Guar tradition that continues to this day by 1988 they were ready to make their first album i believe huh. <laughs> what okay <laughs> we haven't even gotten the first album yet no no oh, I, oh i'm sorry did, did we not mention that there was a lot of guar backstory there's guar backstory a whole lot of guar backstory. they also have 15 albums yeah is it okay that i'm still really confused on what's going on yes yep so okay. were they yeah everybody was there's cool. a lot of people in this story there's a lot going on it's By like it's like game of thrones it gets easier after season five yeah. i feel like i'm i feel like we're just doing that puppet show all over again yeah we are was we it are. saucy a little bit i, I set puppets I mean, on fire and you made brienne and Tormund kiss a lot but just how it should Which be checks yeah. out yeah yeah I believe they set the bar pretty low for their first effort. They weren't trying to impress anyone, but rather shock people with how disgusting they could be, while also telling the Guar origin story. The album, titled Hello, spelled like Jello, hell hyphen O. I, I get it. Get it? I get it. 
But Hello was released by Shimmy Disc Records, an independent label that actually had quite a following. Between the album and their notorious live shows, Guar had gained enough momentum to do a coast-to-coast -coast tour in 1988, and that led to an even bigger tour in 1989. After that, they went straight back into the studio to record their second album, Scum Dogs of the Universe, their first album under Metal Blade Records, and their best-selling one to date. It is quite good. It is. It's so good. It is damn near perfect, in my yeah. opinion. It's quite good. It is a very good album. It's quite good. It and... hits all the notes from A all the way to G, <laughs> all the notes. <laughs> they did that very well. But also... Despite the fact that it was made in 1988, it still holds up now. It really does. And I, not a lot of people can say that for shit they made in 1988. They, Truth. On their more recent tours, they have added in more stuff from Scum Dogs than they had in the Which past. Which great. And the Scum Dogs songs play just as well in a newer Guar style. They are borderline timeless, some of them. Yeah. Especially... Yeah. But like the song, I feel like it's kind of like the equivalent of Metallica trying to play Black Album songs now. Yeah, like you, if you go back and listen to the Black Album, it holds up. It still holds up. Holds up real good. If you go back and listen to Scum Dogs of the Universe, it's like no time ever transpired no. between when yeah. they released it and now. Everybody has their timelessness album, and yeah, that's this just is theirs. definitely it. And a couple of fun facts about Hello: It was recorded in New York City in. Almost literally a dude's apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't. I can't remember as what most they, great albums are. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't remember what they referred to the guy who produced it as, but he had he had a fun a fun name. I don't I'm remember sure. what it was. They all do. But there's certain <laughs> there's certain tracks on that that if you if you have a decent copy and you turn it up, you can hear the sounds of New York City streets in the background Ooh. because they left an they left a window open <sighs> while Balsack was recording tracks. I mean, I get it. It's fucking it hot, hot when you're recording in a tiny ass apartment room. And I mean, I mean, you, I feel attacked right now. Yeah, and I mean, you've seen these boys. You've seen these boys in the their big, big, big mutant yeah, forms. Big boys. Wait, do they, they got... even record in their costumes? What do you they... mean costumes? <laughs> what costumes? <laughs> Never what mind. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, Scumdogs gives you the whole origin story of the band, as well as some insight into how truly gross and un-PC they could be. Its intent was to shock and satirize, and that goal was 1,010% achieved. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget that Guar is a band. The onstage performance is a crucial part of who they are, but they would be nowhere if their music wasn't good. Right. Dave Brocky was always a student of punk rock, but becoming more popular around this time was thrash metal. So Guar put the two genres together, making a thrash punk amalgamation that was the perfect soundtrack to their space alien personas. They weren't reinventing the wheel with their music, I will say that. However, they were great songwriters and musicians. You kind of have to be good at your instrument in order to play in those costumes. They made music that was catchy and accessible, but could still melt your fucking face off. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. No, it's really I mean, good. It's, it is good music. Yeah. It done did melt face. My face is never going to be the same. <laughs> it's going to look like fucking odorous oranges. I'll say. That's oh, why that's it looks that point. way. As their sound evolved, so did the slave pit. By 1990, it became a legal corporation that did everything for the Guar Empire. The music, the props, the costumes, the films, the music videos, the tours, everything was created and produced solely by the slave pit. Okay. And you've got to remember, like, we're back in the late. 80, very late 80s, very 90. early 90s, yep. when 
a long form music video, a la a movie, yeah. was a thing that a rep a record a record a was a thing that a record label would give you money to produce. They yes. would give you the X monies to say, go, all right, now you're going to go make us a giant music video that we're going to then go shill on a VHS and send to MTV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Guar, because of Hunter Jackson being a film guy to begin with, embraced this shit. Yeah, that was like their bread and butter. That was like the perfect thing for them. They it were was, built for long form music videos. It was yeah, that synergy because they had the story to tell. Yeah. They had the chops in because the, the effects other, and the costumes mm-hmm. and the other thing is these were all dudes who as brutal and metal and fucked up as they were were guys on the tour bus which was an actual school bus that they called the battle barge oh, that's so cute uh it's not cute but it's cute it's cute <laughs> it smelled awful oh i'm Didn't sure smell cute i'm Terrible. sure it smelled like fake pee just general I'm sorry. Dude smell. What the fuck does latex. fake pee smell like? Calm. It smells like cum. Smells All like of it cum. smells like cum. <laughs> yeah. It smells like cum. Uh, Dries like cum, too. But the, these are guys who would be playing like D&D and tabletop RPGs along the way. Is yeah. it just cum? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, <laughs> it's listen. all cum. If you lit up a black light in here, that battle barge. <laughs> yeah. But so they've, they've developed this mythos around them. And then when a record label gives you money to express it in of video course. form, when you've got a guy like Hunter Jackson who's super into that, Dave Brocky who's just a creative madman, and everyone else who's just into it, right? They made these long form videos that were pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, this sounds right up their alley. This sounds yeah. like exactly what you need if you want to get into Guar. Yeah, and you want people to get into you. Oh yeah, as Guar. By 1990, the slave pit had taken in two young artists, Bob Gorman and, and Matt McGuire. Hooray! These two guys would become the major driving force behind the band's artistic production, teaching themselves the tricks of the special effects trade as they went along. Matt even did the artwork for the Guar comic series. They currently run the 5,000 square foot production warehouse in Richmond, Virginia, where they work on prosthetics, costumes, and special effects for the band. The... This, the, there's always been like kind of two sides to Guar, the music band part and then the artist part. Right. And they have they've they've spent all of their history crossing back and forth. And uh, Maguire and Gorman, when they came in, they were literally they're literally like kids who saw Guar and like, I want to do the Guar. Like they, they were the, they were the Bohab slave guys that were like, I want to do this for you guys. They, they are they are they were literally fans that said, Oh my God, Mister, I'm going to uh, to VCU as well. Could I come and sculpt your props? <laughs> and then can they I came, sculpt your dick? Could I? Excuse me, sir. Yeah, that's excuse sure. me, that's sir. fine. This, this Excuse fun. me, sir. Can I come in and sculpt your dick? Oh, you can and then, come, all right. And then oh. they did. And then everyone did. Oh, goodness. I have a super, like, soft spot in my heart for Bob Gorman. He, he's such a sweet boy. I kind of thought you were going to say you have a super soft spot in your heart for cum. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> shoes and fitting and the whatnot, I guess. <laughs> So the slave pit was taking off, and so was Guar's popularity. All things considered, 
Scum Dogs did really, really well and had some moderate mainstream success. And with success, trouble always follows. Bum, bum, bum. Huh, you don't say. You know, a this wise man did not a likely say, story at all. You know, a wise man did once say, Mo money, mo problems. <laughs> it's interesting because there was never mo money, there though. There was never any money in Guar. Oh, well. Never boy, any oh, money. boy, is it a, is it a cash Did they spend thing? it yeah. on crack? No, well, they yes, spent that is what well, Sleazy I mean, yeah. would say, yes. Yeah, but um, no, they mostly spent it, they put. They reinvested it back into the bands. Oh, good. They, Every, they were smart about their money for the most part. I Every mean, single time they made money, they funneled it right back into the yeah, slave pit. Yeah, they just pit. funneled, they reinvent, reinvested it in back into the slave pit to make better and more creative costumes and a bigger stage show even though they weren't playing bigger venues see when you their shows got bigger but the venues didn't and that's the crazy part see when you initially said the slave pit i just assumed it was like weird groupy things but it's it's people that it work sounds for like them. it should be but no it's people that work for them and it's people that are behind the creative genius that is guar the band that's really cool it's very interesting because it takes until the late 90s early 2000s for them to actually formalize what slave pit is as a business entity yeah. with air quotes like they like these days they actually know what the fuck they're doing and they run it like a business they, they figured it out but for yeah. a good what what is that like 15 it was kind of just whatever the fuck they wanted it to be it was like this weird hippie artist punk commune of just mm-hmm. Whatever, we're gonna like, make it work. People live there. Like yeah. people live it wasn't like, just living... a studio you went to go work at. They all live there. The, the dairy wow. in the an dairy abandoned was... bottling plant. <laughs> the dairy was a building where you would go in, find a room, say, My room. You would put a jizz soaked mattress on the ground <sighs> and you would sleep there. Yep. And then you would get up, you would go over to the place that Hunter had decided was his room. And you'd work on stuff. And you'd go across the hall and you'd play around on your skateboard. And then you'd go across the other side of the hall and you'd go say, what's up to Chuck Varga, who would be like, check out this dick I'm holding. Yeah. This sounds amazing. Yeah. The dairy, to be alive in Richmond in the late 80s would have been a a fascinating time. I mean, we were alive. But we were not in too young. I was too also young to be Also not in Richmond. Yeah. I mean, we were in Richmond, but also I'm pretty sure at five years old, if I like Walt's like, hey, can I have a job here at Gwar? They'd be like, they, I don't know. Uh, they no. would have said, you can fit in this costume. Yeah. You can oh fit in this costume. God. Fuck. That'd be fun, though. <laughs> so let's get to the troubles. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're really, we're really delaying Ooh, can, can the I fun you, part of Can I give you a podcast. segue? Yes. A storm's a-brewing. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, some North Carolina citizens didn't take too kindly to Odorous's onstage antics. By now, Odorous would use the cuttlefish of Cthulhu to spray audiences with fake bodily fluids made from water and powdered dye. Someone complained to authorities that the two-and-a-half-foot-long latex dick was offensive, and Brocky was arrested backstage after the show on charges of disseminating obscenity. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Conservative Christian North Carolina didn't like a dick jizzing on them? Shock. Shock and awe. And awe. Surprise. Yeah. Also, the cuttlefish was confiscated as evidence. <gasps> 
They took his dick Don't away. Don't touch they, his dick. They took his dick away. Yeah, he had to yeah. go back to his vagina maw codpiece. Yep. <laughs> yep. Being a Canadian citizen, Brocky was almost deported. What? Instead, he entered a plea deal, and as a result, he was banned from North Carolina for a year. Wait a second! <laughs> I have questions! Why are you at a guar show? And you get surprised when you get just on! Yeah, well, I think... I don't know. Maybe it was somebody who was pissed off about the noise next door, but the club owner was also arrested. I, I mean, that's a sentence for the ages. <laughs> You're at a guar show. Why are you surprised you got jizzed on? Yeah. You're surprised you got jizzed on at a guar show. Did you show? not do your research before you went to this guar show? You signed the waiver. Yeah. yeah. This incident was the inspiration for their next album, America Must Be Destroyed, released in 1992. All right. The arrest was pretty much written into the Guar mythos in this album when the Morality Squad ambushes Odorous and steals the cuttlefish. God, the Morality Squad is great because yeah. it's a grandpa in a chair, a giant, like, beefy fucker, and then ah, somebody else. I, I don't remember else. the other person. Yeah. America Must Be Destroyed was accompanied by the movie Phallus in Wonderland. Oh Greatest God. title ever. <laughs> Again, made by Guar's own Slave Pit, Inc. It detailed the origins of Guar and contained all of their music videos up until that point. It was nominated for a Grammy in 1993 for Best Long Form Video. Huh. Uh, can, I, can I? Lost to Annie Lennox, by the way. I don't know how to feel about that. Can I throw this out there? Your face at hearing Guar was nominated for a Grammy is the Priceless. best face. Did we well, all like, do? I'm just really surprised that it's like Guar got nominated. Yeah. For Best in Wonderland. In 93 is... of, all, yeah. of all times. In 90. Hold on, because we're still like. We still have remnants of satanic panic. We still yeah. have like parental advisors also, up the butthole. Not that long ago, Jethro Tull just won a fucking heavy metal Grammy. So we're, like we're the not Grammys were not that. on their shit at all. Grammys have never been on their shit. I know, but like ever. even I, I just don't care about music now, so I don't know how to feel about it now. But right, I will right, say right, like right. back then, especially not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, since controversy seems to follow them wherever they go, of course it would rear its frightening head at the Grammys. Preceding yeah. the ceremony, Odorous made some unflattering comments about how the Grammys are a, quote, meaningless accolade bestowed upon Guar by a retarded child. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that statement holds holds up. It yeah. Kind of, yeah, it holds yeah. up. Even More than anything that any artist out, yeah, has ever out. said or done. They were then uninvited to the Grammys, but they went anyway. <laughs> Good for them. They were just about to sit down in their costumes to watch the ceremony when they were seized and kicked out. Fuck you, Grammys. <laughs> and then Dave Brocky was again arrested in 1992, this time in Athens, Georgia, for simulating the anal raping of Pope John Paul II with a crucifix on stage. You know, like you do. Freedom of speech? I mean, nah, not in Georgia. Not in Georgia. Yeah, not in Georgia. I mean, here's the thing. I'm all about it. You got to do what you got to do, but you also have to read the room. Yeah. Well, after he was let go, two law students who happened to be in the audience that evening helped the man sue the Athens police with the help yeah. of the ACLU. Again, like you do. Like you do. Yes. They won. And just to be dicks, they showed up to the Athens police station in full costume to collect their compensation check, which they donated to charity. And I, would I like... think that deserves. 
Good round of applause. Good form. Good form. Good form. Good form, sir. Good form. I would like to state that at this point, too, donating that check is a baller move because Guar ain't muck, ain't making any fucking They could have used it because it's yeah. not like they're fucking rich. Yeah. yeah. But the... I really like Guar. They're very nice people. Yes, they They're good, are. Good boys. They're good, good boys. Heckin' good boys. Heckin' good. Heckin' good boys. They should, they should rename their first album to Henlo. Henlo. Because that's what doggos say. Never mind. Oh, no, I'm here for it. Staying in. <laughs> Leave it in. The band ramped things up for their next studio release, This Toilet Earth. To yeah. go- Checks out, <laughs> right? To coincide with the album, they also made a movie called Skullhead Face that would tell the story of Skullhead Face. Oh, good. Gore's new arch nemesis. I had questions. I'm glad they answered them. Uh, by the way, Skullhead Face is one word. Yes. And it's spelled. Uh, yeah, of course. S K U L H E D F A C E. I spelled it wrong in my notes, but that's how you spell it. Well, thanks, autocorrect. Warner Brothers had their eye on Gore, considering their newfound notoriety, and offered them a deal. This was pretty exciting as Guar now had a new record deal along with a bigger budget and theatrical release for Skullhead Face. And they needed money. And they needed money because they donated it all to charity. And they never okay, have money because they spend it on crack. Warner Brothers loved the new album except for one song. Oh, no. This song was BDF, which stood for Baby, Baby Dick, Dick Fuck. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Baby Dick Fuck. <laughs> I mean... It is a little booty, uncomfortable. Booty, booty. It's a little uncomfortable. No, it's not. It's very, very <laughs> good. But it's funny. Like no, if no, you're it's a, funny. If it's a if you're a Guar fan, you know it's fucking funny. It right. is supremely tongue in cheek. Like the ultimate tongue in cheek thing. Like tongue in a baby's like, cheek. They're not actually gonna fuck a baby. Like it's no. just well, funny. Maybe, maybe, mm. maybe on stage, but. <laughs> In reality, they're not. None of them are actually doing that yes, in real life. Right? They're they're being absolutely yeah. absurd. None of them have mustaches that way. <laughs> not that way. <laughs> Guar did attempt to censor it a little, abbreviating the title so as not to cause too much controversy over the track list. But Warner Brothers basically gave them an ultimatum: leave the song off the album or lose the record deal. Oh God. Ultimately, Guar decided to keep the song on the album and sacrifice that sweet ass record deal. I will say they weren't going to compromise their artistry I for guess, a record deal. I guess, but when it's called "Baby Dick Fuck," <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's the hill I died on. I don't hill, know if that's the hill I died on. You're dying on that baby dick fuck hill. If there's a fucking hill I die on, it is baby dick fuck hill. Oh my god, I don't think that's the hill I die on. Speak, nope. for, speak for yourself, you fucking yeah. narc. I did. I did. You're clearly not a bohab. Yeah. I'm not. I, th- you're a nohab. You're a, yeah. You're a nohab. <laughs> okay. You won't die on baby dick fuck hill. You won't, you won't get to die on Ordorus's cuttlefish of Cthulhu cock. Oh, my God. You won't get that sweet jizz. That sweet, that sweet, sweet jizmoglobin all up in your oral face. I think you need to check in on me again. Are you okay? Maggie. Are you doing all right? I'm okay. (laughs) We're only halfway through, girl. On a scale of one to five in a Yelp review, would do episode again. (laughs) I'm at 2.5 right now. We got to take it back. (laughs) Yeah. But 
you know, this would become a pretty typical thing for Guar to do. They often put their creativity and self-expression over popularity and record sales, which is pretty cool, but also means they miss out on a lot of great opportunities for growth. And sometimes it's not like a super great thing that other band members are cool with. They're just like, yeah, I right. would like to not live in a dairy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, that, that ends up becoming a factor in a, a lot of the reasons why people leave the band you know so. it's interesting because it's like the polar opposite of like what the grateful dead did since we talked about them last week and how they wouldn't stop touring because they didn't want to disappoint the people that worked with them right whereas here we have guar and it's i mean i get it you are at least in this situation staying true to your artistic creations but it is also at the cost of the fact that like you do have a lot of mouths to feed in a way yeah and i mean a guar tour is not an easy tour. It is no, a tour that breaks people. Yeah. yeah. It's like so there's a much lot stuff. to it. And especially in the old days of Guar, they did not have any idea how to set up their shit in a way that was easy to load yeah, and unload from course. a venue. They you know Especially like, when you're playing like shit clubs. You know, like it's it's not easy throwing ten people in giant costumes on a stage in a tiny ass club. When you have all these special effects and right. I, I would almost equate shit. it to like saying like you're going to throw a Broadway show into a teeny tiny a dive bar backwoods venue. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty once, much exactly what it is. Once a day, five days a week. And this is your life now. Yeah. And then yeah. also you're going to be out there shilling your merch. Yep. Because it's the only way you're going to make any fucking money. Yeah. Indeed. No, I agree. So it's an interesting uh, trade off yeah. for sure. Either way, this Toilet Earth was moderately successful. Their videos became staples on Beavis and Butthead, and they famously made a cameo in the 90s classic movie Empire Records. <laughs> oh, it's your favorite. Cool. Hey, Mark. <laughs> Want to be hey. in Guar? And much like Peter Steele did, they made the rounds on some daytime talk shows. Yes. Including Jerry Springer yes. and the Joan Rivers show, which Boy. is a fucking amazing clip. Who are you? She does not know what, what are to you do wearing? with them. Oh, what my are, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my no, God. For real, they made her speechless. In the latter part of the 90s, Gore's popularity started to decline a bit. They released Ragnarok in 1995, then Carnival of Chaos in 1997. Both were considered pretty experimental by Guar standards, using keyboards and secondary vocalists much more than previous efforts. Despite the experimentation, the albums didn't do so well. They followed these two records up with We Kill Everything, which is the band's least favorite album, and its songs are rarely played at shows. This was arguably the lowest point in the band's career, and their popularity was waning considerably. Founding member Hunter Jackson, who had played Techno Destructo for nearly 14 years at this point, decided to leave the band for good in 2000. Although it's not confirmed, there were supposedly tensions between Hunter and Dave because of creative differences and disagreements over the business decisions. I'm here to confirm said rumors. Oh, shit. Breaking news. You heard it here last on Rock Candy. <laughs> you've heard it here. You've heard it here last. Rock Candy podcast with a breaking news on Guar. You've heard it everywhere else before. If there is, if there's one thing through this entire thing that you need to remember about Dave Brocky, David Murray Brocky, <laughs> okay, Murray. is that he is an asshole. Oh. Dave Brocky is a 
dick. Yeah. Okay. He is a self-described dick. He knows he is a jackass. Mostly, I think, because he's very uncompromising. There was a lot. There was always a lot of tension between Hunter Jackson and Dave Brocky because Dave Brocky's an asshole, and Hunter Jackson always thinks he is the like archetyped of an artist. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing kind of came to a head around uh, Carnival of Chaos, the album right before We Kill Everything. They were on. I, I believe I've got this right. They were on tour, and it all fell apart. When the entire slave pit has gone in and out of having spaces to work, rehearse, and live in. Their space that they had kind of sort of fell apart, and Hunter Jackson moved to Philly to do his own thing. Draculich, (laughs) how I'm going to say it, has moved away. Varga is out of the band, and somebody else has taken over for sex executioner for a little bit. They come to this point where they're on the tour for this, and it turns out, Hunter Jackson is selling VHS tapes of Guar videos. Okay. On his own? On his own. Oh. Because the way the Guar budget worked out was there was a common fund, there was a merch fund, and there was a video production fund. Right. And as Guar tells it in Let There Be Guar, the video production fund was for Hunter to feel like he had a, a role and he had his shit that he could deal with. He started up another slave pit out of Philly and was selling bootleg Guar shit out of Philly. Oh, drums. That's he then, weird. Drums. He then brought that to a Guar show on tour and was still selling his own stuff, and Brocky found out. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a dick move. You shouldn't do that. And the reciprocal dick move is Brocky confronting him on the tour bus by ripping him out of his bunk and fucking punching oh, him out. But like, you don't okay, have to have you, that yeah. reaction. Yeah. You can talk about these things. You're adults. So, uh, he's, he's punching out Hunter Jackson, and Draculich gets in between them and just basically says, Hunter, this is super not cool. You can't do this. It's not great for the rest of us. Brocky, when you get emotions, you can't go after people like this. Also not cool. Use yeah. your words, not your fists. Use yep. your words. Or your dick. Use your words. No or fists your dick. dicks, just the words. Don't, just the words, don't fist not the your dicks. dick. It's, it's really in this middle area of the late 90s when all of these interpersonal fucked up things come to a head in Guar and Hunter leaves, Brocky stays, and as, as Guar themselves puts it, they were resting on their laurels. Yeah. For the last two or three albums. Which is... Easily. And you, you, you can't do... You can do, hear it. Yeah, you can hear it. And also, you can't do that. If if you're going to turn down a record deal for artistic integrity, you need to be able to keep the artistic integrity. Exactly. And you kind of fucked it up. So, in in this weird time for Guar, we have a lot of transition. Just before this, we have... I'd call him an OG member, an original member. Oh. Depart the band. The young gentleman originally, now not as young a gentleman, Michael Bishop, Beefcake the Mighty. Oh, yeah, that's right. Leaves the band. Mm-hmm. And he he ends up leaving because of touring, working with everybody, anxiety of just basically this pretty, like, long story short, being in this band is fucking stressful, and I cannot deal with it anymore. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go leave. That is tracks- he the one who um like physically couldn't really do it anymore? Yes. Like his knees were fucking shot. Oh yeah. shit. Like he Cause... couldn't stand on stage with all that costuming the, and shit okay. on anymore. And the, and the legend of Beefcake is Beefcake is a big gent. You he would, is a, so you're saying a man called Beefcake is rather large. He's a large man. Okay. He's a large man. He joined the band at 17, wow. I want to say. He was a very young boy. <laughs> He's, He's a, a baby boy. boy. And, and Baby he, dick fuck? And he stuck with it. And <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> did I? I did I? Did I? <laughs> So Bishop leaves. He he plays in his own band, uh, Keep On, and he 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 just can't do it anymore. But fair, however, fair. the Bishop will be back. Ooh, Ooh, foreshadowing. So we have the Carnival of Chaos, and Guar usually when they do their albums, they try to pair it with what they're going to do for the stage show of the tour. And at this point, Guar self-admittedly, is resting on their laurels. Yeah. So the chapter is titled. <laughs> I is mean, really? they said it. it. It is, yeah. That's delightful. Right. Hindsight for Guar is twenty twenty. They're very good at looking back and being like, yeah, that was fucking dumb. I don't know what we were doing there, yeah, but that was this fucking whole dumb. Period, they were, Drop the ball, guys. This whole period of time, they were all like, yeah, this is like the fucking shit show part. Like, not the fun shit show, but the shit shit show. There's a slow progression in there towards weirder and weirder shit. And then when you hit Carnival of Chaos, it's almost like the ideas have kind of run dry because we haven't been challenged anymore. We're not struggling to keep the battle barge on the road. So, mutant penguins? Mutant penguins. Right. Mutant penguins. The enemy, army of mutant penguins? The army, army, for... army of mutant penguins. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? Oh, Led sure. by Techno? Sure. Okay. Right. Checks out. That's Carnival of Chaos. There are, there are some songs on Carnival of Chaos that I enjoy. There are songs on We Kill Everything that are good. Our Carnival and Chaos, our Carnival of Chaos, and We Kill Everything good albums. No, I mean, <laughs> arguably, with all of the storyline that they have made up until now, Army of Mutant Penguins is kind of pathetic. When, when oh. you compare it compared to, to everything, the Master that yeah. Sex Executioner, Cardinal Sin, who is a religious fanatic of the entire universe, basically, yeah. Like, it's weak sauce. It's straight up weak sauce. Yeah. Yeah. The songs aren't bad. They are experimental. They are fucking weird. All right. You know what? (laughs) Let's all all be real here for a hot second. Because we were all adults by, like, the early to mid 2000s. Checks out. Yeah. Music in the 2000s. Not great. No. Not a good time. Even people who were known to be good, like Guar or Metallica or Megadeth, none of them were really putting out good shit in the 2000s yeah. because the 2000s is this weird, fucking weird black hole However, of music. This was the time when I saw Guar in concert, and when Guar decided, and eh, not really so much as decided, as got Zach Blair of Rise Against to show up and help fix Guar. So okay. Which is such an interesting band to get somebody to come in and be like, hey, fix this weird, what? like, monster metal band that I have. Which- so the story of it kind of goes, 
in the late 90s, everybody except the core of Guar left Richmond, left the slave pit, and was gone. It was Brocky, uh, it was Brad Roberts, and it was Mike Dirks, who were basically Guar. Okay. And they had stopped, they kind of stopped thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gorman and Matt McGuire had hung around but gone to their different places to pursue their own stuff. Dracula was gone. Bishop was gone. Uh, Pretty gone. much Dave Brocky was like the only original Dave, member Dave left Brocky, of the band. Yeah, d- at that point, Dave Brocky is the only OG member left yeah. of Guar. They had pretty much disbanded. They're, and, it, and it falls down to why Guar kept going kind of falls down to their record contract. They had a deal with Metal Blade Records for one more album past oh, We Kill Everything. Okay. And I will say, We Kill Everything is a weird album. Right. Brocky, as his side project, had done the Dave Brocky experience. We Kill Everything <laughs> is kind of just a Dave Brocky experience album. It okay. is self-indulgent. It is weird. It's not a... It's a bordering on not a Guar album. Got it. And it's this album that gives us things like preschool prost like in this era gives us preschool prostitute oh god uh, we always called those prostitutes prostitutes if you will which just makes me want tater tots right mm. slutty tater tots the- but this is when you get some of the like these are songs that i enjoy too like fish fuck <laughs> <laughs> fucking an animal i enjoy fish fuck i enjoy fish fuck i love a fish, good fuck, fish fuck fucking an animal baby raper fuck. is in here Baby Raper. Baby Raper. <laughs> oh my god. And some and like We Kill Everything is an album that if you look at it in hindsight, it's a Dave Brocky album. Okay. The dude's influence is all over it with the sick, the disgusting, the like I'm gonna ah, I'm gonna say things that are just gonna fuck you up and I'm gonna be weird and I'm gonna be funny and ha ha ha. His like kind of unique sense of humor like that. It's all over that album. Between that and Carnival of Chaos, it's the album that kind of disbanded most of Guar. Right, yeah. right. Because at this point, Bishop had left, so they had Casey Orr, who was the bassist playing Beefcake the Mighty. Mm-hmm. He was back and forth between Texas. They had lost, at this point, um, Peter... Uh, oh, shit. I'm sorry, I love you, Pete. Who was the original Pete. Flattis. Yeah, I know Pete. Pete. Yeah, I know it's Pete. Pete. Pete's a good guy. It's who was a dude who literally took a bullet for Guar? He got shot when they were oh, out yeah, on the road. Oh yeah, that was right. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the backstory to it at this I moment. Nev- I remember reading about that, but I couldn't find like the backstory. It was just like, yeah, this guy took a bullet. I'm like, but and, wh- why? And he refers to it as, "I took a bullet for Guar," and I mean, the dude is—he's very funny and a good and a good boy. But like heckin' good boy, heckin', heckin good, boy. good boy. We hit this point, and then Guar thinks they're done. Everybody is like, "We're probably done. We've right. lost our warehouse space for the slave pit. Everything is falling apart. We still owe Metal Blade one more record." Right. Shit. All right. Who comes back? Casey Orr, Beefcake the Mighty, mm-hmm. after Mike Bishop. Who comes? Who comes riding in on a white white horse? Zach Blair. From Rise Against. Right. Or to be of Rise Against. And what do they write? Violence has arrived. Yes. And the thing that they decide is, way back in the day with Scum Dogs, arguably our best album, we were a thrash metal band. Why not just be metal again instead of hillbilly rock, 
lounge singer. Or just trying to experiment with all this else. different shit. Like, I get it. You it's want to fun. experiment musically, but Guar is not the kind of band that you should musically try to expand your horizons yeah. with. Yeah. Because you built up this whole visual thing and this whole backstory. You Maybe have, you should just be a metal band. You have a literal mythos. Yes. Yeah. Now is not the time to be a hill, of, yeah. uh, to be a rockabilly band. Yeah, yeah if, it doesn't if work. If you want to do that with the Dave Brocky experience, you do. go for it. They went real do Jason it. X with it. Yeah, it you want to like. do that with X Cops? You do that. Do it. Another side project. You go for it. But so Guar is Guar. Stick to it because that is what people want. So, so when, go back to it. So when Zach Blair shows up. With Casey Orr, they bring some songs that they had already, some riffs, some songs they'd already worked on, and they came up with Violence Has Arrived, which is a heavy fucking album. Right. It is but it's a back brutal. To, it's back to what they were in the beginning. It's back to the roots. Yeah. You have songs like Immortal Corruptor that Guar still plays to this day as a, like, yeah, we're playing the song because it's fucking cool. And they play yeah. that, and now they mostly play shit from scum dogs of the universe scum and it dogs fits and new together stuff. it it's fits what you together. do yeah if you just go on their spotify and you just listen to like what's popular immoral corruptors want to like the second or third song yeah. so very and good. everything from and like also, slum dogs and everything they're up there too i think it's kind of worth mentioning that at this point in time in the early 2000s metal blade was metal blade had a lot of really popular bands on their label and so it it helped Guar, I think, a lot that Metal Blade was so popular at and, that time. And the thing, the thing that's kind of fucked up about this is, so after Violence metal. has arrived, Metal Blade dropped them. They didn't renew yeah, their contract. Which is wow. Because and Metal, metal Blade, Blade said, up. "Yeah, they said you fucked us for like the last three albums. We done here." I guess. But also, Metal Blade didn't do shit for them for those three. They albums. didn't do anything. Oh. Metal Blade fucked them. And they kind of fucked Metal Blade. Yeah. It was a mutual fucking, mutual which I guess fucking. is You know what? It's good? consensual. Yeah. Consensual yeah. fucking. Hashtag guar. Consensual fucking. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so at this point, we have Guar After Violence Has Arrived, an album that was received well, did pretty decently, and they toured on it as back to bare basics. It's five of us. We're playing brutal songs. We're slaughtering stuff on stage. Cool. They're After not this, breaking. They're not breaking the mold here. They're yeah. doing what they know. They, fucking they are works. Go, it's yeah. back to basics. Yeah. And at this point, Guar has no record deal. Guar has no slave pit anymore because there's no home for all this stuff. It's in Jesus. garages, storage units, and etc. And it's and everyone generally is like, all right, well, we're done now. This is the end of Guar. We're out of record contract. Right. DRT Records all of a sudden shows up an independent kind of metal label and says, we're interested, we'll pick you up. Oh, hey guys. Hi. Hey, we're interested. Guar is reveling in this moment of we're, we're dead. They get a new record contract and Violence has arrived to come out. What are we doing now? They don't have a, don't really have a beefcake because their bassist is in and out. Right. Their guitarist is kind of in and out because Zach Blair isn't hanging around. Mm-hmm. And this is when, sweet boy, Corey Smoot comes into the picture and Todd Evans as Beefcake the Mighty, like, kind of properly shows up. Okay. And we get the album War Party. Ooh, that sounds like a fun time. 
<laughs> War Party is fueled by everybody kind of it, it, songs written by Rocky, songs written by kind of everybody. It was starting to be a little more collaborative again about just like, Which was oh, supposed to be what which it was, was all about. Idea. It was supposed they to were be an art collective. collective. Yeah. And the album was kind of weird. Like, listen, Bush is just redo of Reagan. Yeah. Like, for yeah. a hot second, I thought you meant the band, band Bush. Bush same. I was like, wait, no, also, recalibrate. <laughs> so they said, oh, well, we're going to write an album about it. They did the War Party album with no rehearsal space aside from people's houses. Wow. Because Corey Smoot was a very good producer. In his house, he had a recording studio that I believe was called New Haven Recording Studio. Sure. They had all of their props, costumes, and the whatnot stored in garages and storage units. And they put the album together and went on tour for War Party. This is when... I first saw Guar when I went to RIT in Rochester. I'm pretty sure that's when I saw them too, I, yeah. because I remember. I'm pretty sure that they. I, I, I want to say I saw them destroy um, a George Bush character. I very specifically remember having them, seeing them have a Paris Hilton impersonator mm-hmm. and on stage. That was stage. all the same time. It was all around the same time, and I saw them at the Chance in Poughkeepsie. So. War Party happens. They record it around the idea that the the Bush is Reagan 2.0, and they sculpt their stage show around it. And they're back to form of just, let's fucking kill people and cover the audience in yep. spew, which is, what Gu- uh, which is what Guar calls all of the various things they spray upon the audience. I cannot even tell you the amount of fluid that came out of that man's fake penis. In the sh- uh, at in the an, show that I went to, in an average show, Guar will spew fifty gallons of food-colored plus thickened water onto the crowd. Oof. However, they are very conscious of the fact that people don't want that shit to stain, so they use water and powdered dye that is supposed to wash out. So War Party comes out. They tour on War Party and. They get a lot of success off of it, actually. It's yeah. fairly critically acclaimed, and everyone's like, oh shit, Guar's back. They show up in Times Square and film a video with dubious permits <laughs> in Times Square. <laughs> so they did the War Party tour. They still didn't have a permanent home in Richmond to build shit and do all their things. Okay. So they fought for a new space. They ended up getting a new kind of sort of slave pit. Where the artist could stay, but there wasn't enough room for the musician part of it. And Guar has this running theme of if the artists and musicians aren't all together and everyone can't communicate and keep stuff kind of in the loop, shit gets a little weird. All right. You know, you, you get like dude A saying to dude B, oh, he said this about you. She said this. You get like back talk. Oh, they're gossip queens. Really oh. bad communication it like all of guar's problems fall down to bad communication well it just sounds like a lot of people who just don't want to be a fucking leader yeah Yeah. because guar has a hard time having a leader and when guar has a leader guar's leader is dave brocky and what is dave brocky crazy an asshole crazy i learned something so he'll rub he rub he just naturally rubs people the wrong way it is his gift 
<laughs> he non-consensually his rubs gift, people the wrong way. His gift and his curse. <laughs> so their contract with DRT says that they also have to produce another album. And they're like, well, shit, we just did War Party. We don't have the creative Jismaglobin to give you another full studio <laughs> album. What are we going to do about this? So comes a venue called Mr. Smalls in Pittsburgh. So we go to Mr. Smalls and Guar fulfills their contractual obligation for another album by saying, hey, we'll do a live album. Boom, bitches. And do they call that album live from Mr. Smalls? No. No. No, ladies. Why would you do that? Why would you, you make they, a dick joke? Why don't they? It's perfect opportunity for a it? dick joke. They call it live from Mount Fuji because where has Brocky always wanted to play with Guar? Japan. Oh. Where have they never gone? Japan. Japan. Which is weird because I feel like they do real good in Japan. They have done several European tours. They had never gone to Japan at this point. And there's a meh. It's live from Mount Fuji. And on the record, if you listen to it, Orderus will say Cleveland. Oh, he will say, <laughs> wherever the fuck it is that we are. I think he references Texas at one point. <laughs> it is an album without a location. That's yeah. delightful. Guar is receiving, the band part, is receiving some accolades for being good musicians and writing some good music at this point. The artist side of Guar in the Slave Pit, which in the past has felt a little maligned and be like, well, we're just the chuds for the band. <laughs> chuds now, for the band. Chuds. <laughs> has now also received some accolades. Some various colleges, like the Rhode Island Institute of Art, if I'm not mistaken, invite some of the sculptors and artists out to give a give a guest lecture at the at the at the like Rhode Island. They're just starting to thing. be recognized thing. as like legitimate not just artists, but kind of pioneers in special effects and prop making. You could say that things are coming up Guar now. Come, everything's yeah. coming up Guar. Richmond. Banner day for fucking Guar. Yeah, All right. Richmond, their hometown, decides to kind of re-embrace them and take them back after shunning them. All right. And RVA, Richmond, Virginia, does a Guar show at an art gallery, The Art of Guar. And in the Guart. intermediate... The art of guar. Guar. Guart. Yeah, the guart, if you will. Guart. The artists now all of a sudden felt recognized. They were hometown heroes again. Kind of, sort of. A guar was reborn. The Ooh. second coming of the prodigal <laughs> sons. <laughs> Jizz. Dick jokes. <laughs> the next album, Beyond Hell, comes out and is a concept album. <gasps> Produced mm. by... Devin Townsend. Oh! Bam, 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 bam. Hesitant, fucking... hesitant, and then you turn me around. I fucking love Devin Townsend. If there's anybody I've ever met with the biggest boner for Devin have, Townsend, it's I you. have a fucking... Clam jams. No. Basement Cloner. flooded. Put a towel down. Don't get my chair messy. I have a cuttlefish of Cthulhu Ooh. for Devin Townsend. But you do, though. 100%. He does guest vocals on the album. He does. Even. He, oh, she I'm knows. pretty sure he produced it. He produced oh, it. He yes. did. By the way, have Wolf. we introduced all the members of Guar? Let's go through the core five. I, Can I give you the okay. core five? Give me the core five. But I'm, I'm having lead a hard singer time. at this point. Lead singer Orderus Rungus. Yeah. Lead guitarist Flatus Maximus. Okay. This is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Rhythm guitarist Ballsack, the Jaws of Death. Okay. Bassist Beefcake, the Mighty. Course. And drummer, Jismac Dagusher, D-A. <laughs> I've never I think it's Gusher's Gusha. Gusha. 
Beyond Hell Chronicles Guar's journey, not out trying to leave this dirty mud ball of a planet, but in. Oh. Yeah. Following Dante's Inferno to the depths of hell. Oh, and honestly, honestly, if you're going to do a fucking Guar concept album, holy shit, Devin dude. Townsend better be producing this shit. Oh, yeah. Because and especially if it's about like fucking Dante's Inferno. And this is one of the few times that Guar on tour for this album played it from start to finish. You kind of have to. to. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Did all of it. So there's there's some fun little things that happened in here. So Lordy was a Eurovision band that was kind of sort of Guar. Guar question mark. But like they, a ripoff. They played metal. They had costumes, and Brocky. Being a bit of an asshole, took them as a guar ripoff. Oh no! And he was like, "Fuck y'all!" I I just love this story. Brocky spent an entire tour in the U.S. and Europe because they did do do. They did do go to Europe. They did do do go to Europe. <laughs> they did do do go to Europe. Oh, my fucking god. <laughs> <laughs> But Brocky had the art department that he wasn't as involved with as much because he started doing PR, social media, and all that shit because Brocky's got a loud mouth and he was good at it, so let him do. He had them make him a lordy head on a pike. So Mr. Lordy, from Lordy, who won Eurovision, he would carry out on stage on a pike and it would spew blood and stuff into the audience. And he would shit-talk Lordy for the entire Sounds of the Underground tour that they were on. Okay, okay. I guess that's... You know, he chooses some weird hills to die on. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Brocky does choose hills. He makes a lot of questionable choices. He makes what I would say, um, hashtag choices. Hashtag yeah. choices is yep. kind of his choices. epitaph. So uh, I just love the story because at some point... Orderus and Mr. Lordy were scheduled to be at the same thing. Oh, no. Mr. Lordy canceled. Oh. <laughs> I don't blame him. You know what? got the bigger swinging Good pendulous move. balls. Orderus. <laughs> I guess, but at the same time, I just feel like I would be like, you know what? I don't. This is not the hill I'm going to die on. Again. For the millionth time, not the hill. I feel Man, like Lordy was Brocky like, you died know what? On every I don't need hill this. that he found. Did oh Brocky find a hill? He died up there. I'm he he did not know a hill he did not die on. He never met a hill he didn't like, yeah. and then he died there. <laughs> he never met a hill he didn't want to die on. So, and, and it's also at this point that Guar showed up on Viva La Bam. Guar went oh, on. Oh, Viva La Bam! I didn't watch that show because of this. <laughs> Guar made a connection with Bam. They went on the Viva La Bands tour. And I just also like this little story. They made one of their little baby uh, doll props into a Bam baby baby doll prop with a giant dick. And then they gave it to him after. It's like, hey, thanks for having us on your tour. Here's a big dick baby. Here's here's you as a baby with a big dick. Good for you. You know who's who's not doing so good anymore? Bam. Is it Viva La Bam? It's Bam Margera. I, I still don't, I don't know what you're saying. Don't, don't Google? Google him. Anyway, so Hi. where are they at this point? DRT Records, at this point, is still their label. And at this okay. point, DRT has given them the money up front for Beyond Hell, their Dante's Inferno-inspired kind of album. Yes. And then they didn't give them the follow-up money. Okay. And then Guar said, where's the follow-up money? And DRT said, you'll get it. 
And then they waited, and then they didn't get it. And then Guar got lawyers, which this is weird, because Guar got lawyers? Turns out DRT was the guy who owned it and a dude in an apartment at this point because they had lost all their fucking money. After a bit of a legal battle, Guar got some of their money that they were supposed to get, but more importantly, they got the rights to those albums in in their entirety. All right. Cool. It's something. Cool. But also, I bet they're regretting donating that money to charity now. Oh. <laughs> the theme, we ten years ago? The Could theme of Guar are tours pay for themselves. Also, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. <laughs> Their money in going to Europe, like when they did European tours, the calculation was how much is going to cost to get all our shit over there? How much is going to cost to fly us over there? How much are we going to lose on every show? Yeah. Which was a big reason why... Like in the most recent years, they decided to build warehouses in different countries. So they have one in America. Yeah. They have one in Europe. They had one in Australia. So when they went and toured Asia, they could ship their costumes and stuff from Australia instead of trying to ship them from America. Yeah, that's way easier. Not as bad. Not as bad. And also, latex doesn't fucking hold up. No, it does not. The All of their outfits had a lifespan of three to five years, at which point yeah. they would have to redesign them, which, Ugh. because they're artists, they would want to do anyway to make them kind of line up with a new album direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And at this point, they had been touring on their erectile, electile dysfunction. Sorry, I, who's the guy? I did what? Freud. <laughs> Freudian slip. Oh, you did a Freudian slip. Electile yes. dysfunction tour. Yeah. And they were doing the same things. They had a tour based around killing politicians it was a very wrestling themed kind of thing it was very uh george bush like we're gonna sacrifice george bush because he fucking sucked in 2008 yeah Yeah. and back to the old days of guajos were kind of like a wrestling match almost they kind of mirrored what the wwf at that point had done amazing I'm here for it. They were so good at some of their it little the videos. It was WWE by then. That's true. It was past Get the attitude. Right. Era. They had filmed these things that they played on their projection screen that everybody thought was just backstage live, like a WWE event. Yeah. See, I fixed myself. I see what you did. But they weren't. They were pre-recorded, and everyone was very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like. 2008 We're getting to like the 2008 time, and now Lust in Space Late comes aughts. out. They do another kind of concept album where Guar gets to finally leave Earth. And Guar leaves Earth, but they discover what? There's no crack in the universe except on Earth, so they have to come it back. It all comes back to crack. It all That's fair. comes back Hashtag to crack. Hashtag back to crack. Sleazy P. <laughs> Martini, who has not been part of the band, gets his first mention in about 10 years. Go for him. And Lust in Space is a pretty good album. And then with Corey who was Flattus at this point. They Flattus found Maximus. Flattus Maximus. Yes. They found a gentleman who was a very good guitarist and a very, very good producer. And he produced their albums. At this point, they did almost everything in-house. Yeah. And it's a lot of friends of friends coming to help each other out. Yeah. Because back with Violence Has Arrived, Casey Orr who, and Mike Bishop came back to record parts for it. Bishop hadn't been involved in several years and he came, they said, we need someone to record parts. Come on, can you come back? And he came back. Nice. And that, if there's, if there's kind of a takeaway from Guar, Guar is a weird cooperative family that is everything that you imagine from a family. Dysfunctional, doesn't get along, all love each other kind of thing. You might hate each other, but after 10 years, if somebody needs some fucking help, then they're gonna help. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, Guar and all of a sudden, 
Metal Blade shows up and is like, hey, girl. <laughs> How you living? You're, you're looking pretty good over there. Oh all God. like tweet and foisty again. <laughs> Guar is off of DRT because they're shitbags. And Metal Blade shows up and goes like, you want to come back, baby? And Guar goes, yeah, we come back. <laughs> Bitch, I know you want to come back. Kinda and they come now, back. Though. They always come back. With a violent. <laughs> a Stephen King novel. Yeah, but man, now it's a fucking Guar thing. So Guar shows up after Lust in Space where they leave Earth, come back because crack. Because crack. With a bloody pit of horror. Bloody Pit of Horror has no story to it. It is back to form of scum dogs with just, let's fucking kill shit. Let's fuck shit up. It kill is... things, jizz on it, done. Kill, <laughs> jizz, done. It yeah. is a serial killer story. Yes. And it is helmed hardly by Corey Smoot, who at this point is f- fully into Flattis. He's talented. He's a good boy. And we good, good do boy. Heckin good boy. the Corey Heckin good stuff. Boy. They tour on it and... 2009, they become. That's their 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary shows up. Gwar's okay. been around for a minute. Yeah, they have. They can argue about what's actually 25 or not, but. Mm, that's it's though. this. 29. For all intents and purposes. Correct. It is their 25th anniversary. Okay. Gwar does Bloody Pit of Horror. Gwar, uh, like, let's just go through highlights of the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. They hit it hard. They do Jimmy Fallon. Of all things. They've never been on a late night show. And did they badmouth the shit out of Jimmy Fallon I'm too? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh, did but, they? Because oh, yeah. I'm going to touch myself tonight. Oh, yeah. They but, were like not be happy about being on Jimmy Fallon. Good. Because Jimmy Fallon's stage is fucking tiny. Guar didn't spew on anybody. No, g-g-g-goosh. It's Jimmy fucking Fallon. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Fallon, they probably should have murdered during the set. But they were good yes. boys about it. Okay. Because Guar understood... Fallon. If we want people to show up to these shows and to get new kids, because the old bohabs are dying, let's be honest. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> crack. Yeah, we gotta dying. go on the Jimmy Fallons, because crack. Yeah. It's serious. <laughs> but serious. Goes, we need some new bohabs. Let's let's take a minute to recognize that crack is serious. Yep. This happens. Todd Evans, Casey Orr, who have been rotating back and forth through this whole period through the Beefcake the Mighty, both of them kind of like, we're, we're both done. We're burned out. That's and fair. And they go and get a very nice boy. Jameson Land, who picks up the beefcake mantle, and, importantly, wants to be the beefcake that Mike Bishop, the original beefcake, was back in the day. Okay. Remember this. Okay. Okay. It is at this point that we're touring for Bloody Pit of Horror, and all, and, like, things have been going pretty good for Guar since violence has arrived, and they're, like, ramping up to being a big band again. And one day, they're out on the West Coast, about to cross into Canada into Alberta, and they're at the border crossing. Steal yourselves. At the border crossing... Is this where I need to buckle up? Yeah. Buckle up. She fastened it. (laughs) (laughs) At the border crossing, they go to do the custom stuff, and they go to wake Corey up from his bunk. Oh, no. And Corey doesn't wake up. Oh, Oh, God. Corey Smoot was 34... He was uh, very young. Super young. Which is really Corey sad. was married. He had a wife who was pregnant with their first child. Oh, fuck. And at the border crossing, Guar found Flattus Maximus dead in his bunk oh. on the bus. Oh, my God. What? And, and before you jump to conclusions of going, mm, drugs. No. Nay, not nay. At all. Corey had... 
what was an undiagnosed, I believe at this point, um, Cor- coronary artery thrombosis. He had yeah. coronary oh, disease. No. He had heart disease, um, but he actually died from a coronary artery thrombosis. Yeah, it it's Guar on yeah. a tour they're, bus. They're on a tour bus. Yeah. He his life is touring. His job yeah. is to tour and to make music. He doesn't have health insurance. Literally, oh. since since violence has arrived, they have been going borderline nonstop. The right. reasons the reasons Todd, Todd Evans and Casey Orr left the band in and out is because Guar was relentless. Of course. With oh, you have two months off. That means you go back and work on costumes, you workshop the and next an tour, album. and you yeah. work on the next album. Ugh. There is no downtime with Guar. Yeah. Yeah. You're going balls to the walls 365, 24-7 with this. And it's not like you're doing it to make a ton of money you're doing it to kind of make minimum wage right so it's not like he had all this extra money to pay for health insurance and he certainly wasn't getting it through an employer no so he had a pre-existing condition that i think he knew about but he might this is but it's this is kind of like the equivalent of a blood clot you don't know it's gonna happen yeah and the work and it's Corey joined the band because he saw Guar when he was a kid, oh. and he loved them, and he loved the show. And then when Guar was in arguably its darkest time, he showed up, and between him, Casey Orr, and Zach Blair, pulled Guar out of the depths of silliness right. to be yeah. a proper-ass metal band again. He pulled them out of their, their dark abyss. If, right. I was gonna, if I was going to pin Guar's second resurgence to someone it is Corey Smoot and the fact that he was a very talented producer he had a recording studio that he ran out of his home or wherever he could he had a wife and a kid on the way right so fucked up yeah and it's not even it wasn't even due to drugs and like the rock and roll lifestyle it was just something absolute tragedy and it's so Fucked up. Yeah. And I'm going to come in and say this ooh, in my NPR voice. voice, but um, this is where I say, yes, Rock Candy Podcast is not a political podcast. <laughs> However, I will say maybe this is a great defense for why we fucking need universal health care. Yeah. Maybe that, we need to give a, a shit thing. about pre-existing conditions. Maybe we need to give a shit about like going to a doctor to prevent disease instead of like going to a doctor when we fucking have things, our arms falling off. And to stop things like this. Maybe, maybe if you could just roll up into any town, go to a doctor and say, hey, it's time for my, my yearly physical. My fucking chest hurts. How am I? <laughs> so what were the consequences? Well, the consequences were me going to a show. <laughs> and, I, and I have to tell the story because Guar, after this, they didn't take a day off. They toured in Alberta when right. they crossed the border. They oh my only God. took time off to have a funeral and to bury Corey. <gasps> and then they they canceled maybe a couple of shows and they went back on. And I remember seeing these shows in this era. That's really unhealthy. I'm going to also throw that out there. Mental yeah, health awareness, yeah. guys. Like, yeah, man. We've covered grieve. a lot of bands that don't grieve. Grieve. They didn't grieve. Grieve. Yeah. Or, I mean, Guar would say they grieved in their own way of just pushing through and carrying on in his memory. But right. I don't... I. I would prescribe to you didn't really do the grieving. You didn't do it the way you should have done it they, to get through something like that. They kept touring and the way they worked it out was the next album after Bloody Pit of Horror, 
which was Battle Maximus. Mm -hmm. Flattest Maximus? Battle Maximus. Which came out in 2013? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 2013. And Battle Maximus, they had found a new lead guitarist, but they hadn't introduced him yet. Oh. Brett Ferguson, I believe is how you pronounce it, came on board and he had originally auditioned to be beefcake he he was another one he was just like Corey, fan of the band mm-hmm. since he was a kid wanted to be a part of it hung around enough that when there was an opening and he even admits he's like i didn't want it to be this way i hate that it was this way but this is how i got into guar right he came about he toured with them not playing his instrument and doing roadie shit to learn how guar worked Because they needed to take a tour to mourn for Corey. And they did. And I remember seeing them at this point. They played the set with four members. They had backing tracks for for Flattis' guitars at some points. Or Hmm. uh, Balsack the Jaws of Death just covered for it. And at the end of the show, the worst thing... The second... Oh boy, it's a coin flip. The second worst thing I've ever experienced during a live concert is they had Flattis's guitar in a solo spotlight on stage after they were done playing, and they had Dave Brocky and his beautiful baritone singing Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way." Oh, fuck and that! And nothing else. Uh. I cried. Like I was a four-year-old boy who ju- whose dog just died. Yeah, it I bet, was. I bet a lot of people in that venue that night <sighs> did. Too. And they did it every night of the <sighs> tour. And I think, <sighs> like, if you're gonna say, men- you know, like, you got to take a mental health day for one of your f- very close friends and bandmates dying. Maybe they that took was a their... mental health tour. Yeah, because I remember watching Brocky and Slay and the Slaves like. Like, crawl and those guys off stage, like, arms over each Ugh. other, taking that moment to mourn Corey every night of the week. Yeah. And it, it, they Oof. did they did charity shows in honor of his family to raise money for his wife and kid. And they, like, if you're, if you're a band and you have somebody die like that, you're going to do it right, and they did it right. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Jesus. Battle Maximus as an album was kind of almost an entire tribute to... Corey. They had a particular song Fly Now that is really a tribute yeah. to Flattis. They brought in yeah. all of these guitarists that they were friends with from Lamb of God. Zach Blair from Rise Against came yep. back. Um, Casey Orr, who was playing guitar for his band Mobile Death Camp, came back to record tracks. And they recorded the album with the new lead guitarist and all these other guys as members of the quote-unquote Maximus clan wow. such as I think like Taintus Maximus was one of them oh, all with yeah. very fun names yeah, yeah. and they recorded this album and it is a v- I really love that album yeah and in Fly Now if you go look it up on the YouTubes you listen to it it is a heartfelt song wow and I hate to to fast forward or anything but we because we, prob- we have another tragedy because we have to. another Wait, horrible horrible thing to talk about um, but March 23rd, 2013, I remember let's, let's do it this way. Oh my God. I remember being in an apartment in downtown Albany and being woken up. I was working a third shift. I remember my fiance, Danielle waking me up and going, Andy, wake up. Oh no. And I said, this is a good thing. And I said, what? And she goes, Brocky's dead. <gasps> what? 
And I said, wait, what? And then we looked up the news article, and David Murray Brocky, Orders Urungus, had originator of Guar, the only the original member o since G Guar since 1984, since its inception, had died at the age of 52 of, wait for it, heroin, heroin overdose. overdose. God damn it! <laughs> Stop doing. Heroin. Stop yeah. it. Well, here's the thing. You guys are taking me on like a three-hour journey <laughs> just to tell me that fucking the guy who founded Guar is dead because of heroin. I'm mad and I'm leaving. I cried in bed that morning yeah. because oh. the picture that went with the article was Dave Brocky holding up a cake that looked like Orderus's head for his 52nd birthday. Oh my god. I thought he was 50. Christ. Might have been 50. I, think I he may was have 50. fucked that up. There's a five don't know, in there. Too sad. <laughs> I think don't know, hashtag don't know too sad. <laughs> yeah, but the weird thing about it is that I don't think that he was an actual addict of no. any sorts. It is the it is the continual story of during during those weird middle years of Guar. Dave got into some fucked up hard drugs. He yeah. did heroin. He did all that shit. Right. And he got off of it. But everybody that was close to him was like, he wasn't an addict. Like, the no. ultimate irony of this is that he wasn't like, he he wasn't a fucking Motley Crue member. He wasn't right. fucking Slash. He wasn't no. anything like that. He was not a habitual drug user. He didn't really habitually use. And he didn't use hard pot. drugs. Yeah, he was it? No. Yeah, Bro he was. Brocky drank. Brocky smoked weed. And no, none of them. You can you can go through all of Let There Be Guar. You can talk to all of the guys, and none of them know what spurned Brocky in that chunk of time to do heroin again but Damn. he yeah. thought he had it's one it's the it's a story that repeats itself over and over and over you think you, you have think control. you have the tolerance you think you have the same tolerance you had mm -hmm. back in the day you think you're you know a 20 year old but you're kid fucking right. 50 right. and you're, you're 50, 50 and you fucking shoot years up old. too much and that's and, and, and you, i would like to come back with that like because i know i was like lost my shit about don't do fucking heroin like i get it um we are in the fucking throes of a fucking opium or opioid ep epidemic and like fucking heroin's a thing we're not a political podcast whatever and i get it like some people can't fight it and it's a fucking goddamn tragedy but really try not to do heroin and also, it's like the one drug you fucking can't also, come back from heroin is not a recreational no. drug it's not That's, and I think, that means you're I think into drugs that is i think that might have been the problem for him is that he was using drugs like heroin as recreational drugs it's not the same as smoking a joint. It's right. not the same as... So I don't know exactly what... I don't think anybody will ever know what and the fucking situation was. No. Was he doing this in secret? Was this a secret the, addiction he like, had? You know or what, and, and, was this just a one-off thing that doesn't I'll, make any I'll sense? I'll give you the full tragedy of this. Guar was being fairly successful. Mm -hmm. Brocky was playing Orderus on a sci-fi... What would you call it? Like a sitcom? Almost? It was, it's, it was like Holliston. he was 
Yeah, it was oh. a sitcom called Holliston. I heard of it. And he basically was kind of like the devil on this main character's shoulder. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it was it was a situational comedy, half hour comedy. Okay. Also starring Dee Snyder of yeah. all things. Delightful. I don't know. But Delightful. I want to fucking and, watch it. I didn't know oh, it existed. It's and very now fun. I need to fucking see this. But he was but doing so, that. He was a Fox News. He, he was showing up on Red Eye making fun of Fox Arungus. News on Fox <laughs> News, which Go Google the red eye segments. Yeah. They are amazing. Which is Delightful. what Ben Kissel from last podcast mm-hmm. on the left is on all the time yes. now. And the reason he stopped doing red eye? Fucking Sarah Palin. Yep. Because they killed her on stage and she didn't take kindly to that. <laughs> but like this is a guy who's he's doing okay. His band is successful. He's on a TV show that's doing pretty good. He's getting you know, he got guest segments. Like life isn't bad for him, right? He's he. They just had come back from Australia and Japan, the two places they'd oh. always wanted to tour, and like finally and shit was like evening it was out not to a really bad. Good place. It was good, and they. F- I mean, I you could maybe make the argument that like. Sometimes as you get older, you want to be like, but I still feel like maybe I'm, I'm a young, young stud still. Yeah, and maybe he thought maybe I can do like one shot of heroin. Which, by the way, uh, we've stated you many times we don't do understand. We don't understand fucking Pringles. I don't get it. Fucking Pringles. You can't have just one. But like, I think for all I could guess, at best, maybe he was just like maybe just one, just to feel like that young thirty something yeah, again. I, which, by the way, I will say thirty something's young. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Thirty something. 30s are great. The thir- 30s great. when it gets good. 30s you know when it gets good. You know, I'm feeling great in 35. Yeah, I feel great. It's fine. But, also, but the point is, yes. 33 is yeah. awesome. <laughs> but you but can't. The point is, he might have thought, like, I want to feel like my old days. And, I mean, it's tragic, but you can't. You can't it's, have that thought. Yeah. It's like, don't. I, 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 don't, I, don't, do I don't want. I don't want someone who is arguably a rock idol. Who, I don't know if you've ever heard of Green Jello out there in Listerland. Yes. Yes, the, the three reason, little pigs. The reason Green Jello yes. had costumes and had that stage show is Guar. Yes. Oh. They taught them about foam rubber latex and everything because oh. they ran into them. This this guy of Brocky, they found him in his recliner, and it was Jameson Land, the bassist, oh. I believe, who found him dead in his chair in their in their house that they shared. And it's the most tragic thing. Yeah. And more tragic. And now I'm going to be silly for a minute is I went to the barbecue that was Orderus's funeral and I got stuck in traffic. So I missed the actual no! funeral. They had a fucking Viking funeral for Orderus. They Odorous took Orderus. They I put him hurt- out on a barge and they and lit they him on set fire. His shit I hurt on fire. for you. I hurt for you. Sly Menster Hyman, who had been estranged from the band for like 10 years at this point, oh, showed up fuck. again to. Pull the bow and light and send a flaming arrow onto his Viking barge. So Game of Thrones. To light up his corpse with his cuttlefish so cock. With his cuttlefish cock straight into the <laughs> air. It was beautiful. Oh and now we have the transition. Because Guar, back in the early 2000s, went and saw another pet favorite of mine, Blue Man Group. <laughs> weird segue, right? It's a weird segue. And Blue Man Group story is, there isn't one blue man, there aren't three blue men, there are a ton of them. There's like 50 blue men. There's a ton of them. There's, there's a ton of blue men. So, and Guar saw this and said, Guar is more than just us. Guar is a thing. Mm-hmm. People can come and go from the roles of these characters. 
but there will always be Guar. Right. And when Brocky died, the fan community said Guar is done. But Guar, Guar said, said, fuck you, Guar ain't fuck done. Fuck you, Guar ain't done. Wow. Who came back to frontman Guar? The anxiety-ridden, stage fright, PhD-having motherfucker Michael Bishop, the original Beefcake the Mighty. Shit. The dude has a doctorate degree. Go for he him. He teaches. And he's dressing up in this shit for Anguar. He looks great. He does. <laughs> Michael Bishop comes back because they need to do Guarbecue after Guar has died. And they say, will you come back and do the Guar set? And he says, yes, I'll do it this once for Dave. And he hasn't gotten out. He is such a sweet man. He's so sweet. And they they recently, in 2017, released their newest album. Blood of Gods. A very good album. Taking it more back into a punk direction. And Mm -hmm. Bishop has taken on the role of Blothar the Berserker. (laughs) The new front man, quote unquote, of Guar. But Guar has also gone back to a little more old school form of a collective again. Because mm-hmm. Brocky over the 2000s. You kind of don't have your leader anymore. Yeah, he had taken over the frontman role and it was kind of the Orderus show. Okay. And then Orderus dies and they do a tour centered around where'd Orderus go? Also, Cry Cry Cry. Mm-hmm. Also, Guarbecue, where they end the Guarbecue by bring after they burned his costume Ugh. by bringing out Untlick his sword onto stage during the saddest of Guar songs, The Road Behind. And Bishop takes over. A a guy who really doesn't need to do this. He's married, he has a PhD, he's a professor for fuck's sake. He doesn't need this. And he has been doing it since. And he has developed the character of Blothar the Berserker into a new quasi-frontman. But it has become a lot more through Brent Perguson, who is playing... Uh, Pustulus Maximus, the mm-hmm. successor to Flatus, and through everybody else, where it's back to that form of Guar is a collaborative effort. Right. Everybody writes yeah. songs. Everybody sings on various things. Bone Snapper, Bob Gorman, who wrote this book, is now a proper ass character and has a song. Mm-hmm. It's back to that artist collaborative collective thing again, where they're all doing it, not for the money. Not even for the lols anymore. They're doing it because Guar may never die. And I think that's what Brocky wanted. That's like probably where it should be. If he's not around here anymore. His legacy is the legacy of Guar. That this fucked up, deranged, disgusting band will endure through the ages. Through We're going on almost 30 some odd years now. Will not go away because... The world needs Guar to satirize everything that is fucked up. And keep everything in In these check. time periods. It, like, Guar is the check on humanity. Yeah. I think that's a good place to uh, kill this fucking story. You guys fucking brought me on a journey. Up and down, man. The two of you took Roller me by coasters. my left and right hand. And you were like, and come we le- on, Maggie. And I'm like, And we right. led you up this hill and we said, do you want to die on this hill? And you're like, no, fuck this is not- no. And then do you know what you did? Not the hell I'm gonna and die then we on. then we launched you off the fucking cliff on the other side of that hill. <gasps> yeah, that's you kinda what you did. Fucked that baby's dick. <laughs> no, I did! I never did anything to any baby dick. 
<laughs> you were arrested in North Carolina. <laughs> it was you. Oh it was gosh. all you. Was this whole story? I did get very drunk because I've had a lot of alcohol. It's and been I, a fucking hot It's been, it's a, been a long fucking time. And I really love that you're like teary eyed right now at the moving story that is gone. <laughs> Oh, I didn't expect to be moved, but I have been. It was if, a one-two punch of uh, sad deaths. No, because you guys were like, it, funny it dick jokes and like, oh, controversy. Oh, funny again, but then dead. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a fucking Hallmark movie. It really is. But if, a lot more baby dick. But not yeah. Christmas shoes. If, oh, fuck no. Christmas fuck shoes. that movie. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, yes, all if, right. If there's a takeaway from this, if Guar comes to your town, go see Guar, wear a white shirt, buy a bit of merch, and support these boys who make no fucking these money off this and are dying good for boys. the art. But also, second takeaway, don't, don't do, do heroin. heroin. Guys, please stop doing heroin. Don't do heroin. I don't give a shit if you think you're invincible. You're not. Don't do heroin. Yeah. No, let's stop doing the heroin. Rock stuff. Candy Podcast, The V Spot Podcast, 30 Minute Minutes, and Donut Not the Hole all advise you to <laughs> not, don't not do, do heroin. heroin. <laughs> That's a good note. Fuck, that's a, a good great note. note to end it on. Jesus Christ. This is a long episode. Oh, it's going to be a big one. I'm sorry. It's probably my fault. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Like, this was a fucking journey, and I was here for it. Gotta and also, cram 30 like, years of history. The three of us also like to fuck around and talk, so it's yeah. fine. And we're pretty, we're all pretty sauced right now. I am so. stupid sauced. Speak for yourself, luscious. But anyway, all right. So, thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, thanks we love for being you. here. Yeah. We appreciate you. Thank you for being a friend. If you had feelings, please let us know. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm curious because I had feelings. Yeah. But, uh, You're teary-eyed. I love it. I yeah. did get really teary-eyed. But you know what? Before we do our shit, Andy, please tell us where we can find you, my friend. Oh, hey. I'm Andy, the not-so-silent producer of the V-Spot <laughs> podcast. You can find us at the vspot.fm. Also, if you'd like other podcast things that I kind of sometimes post and I may have <laughs> referenced earlier, go to the Aristocasts, like the Aristocrats, Casts. No. You oh. you kind of fucked that up. I did I? <laughs> a yeah, little bit. Are you a sure? Bit. Can you spell the, it? The aristoc the aristocasts. There it's like you the go. Aristocats, but, but, but oh yeah, you that also one. Also put a cast, but put the s yeah. before the t the and another s on there. It's like podcasts, guys. but with aristocats. Fuck. I'll Got put it. it in the description. Yeah, do that. Go to that.com <laughs> and you can find us, and you can find someone whose apartment they want to trash constantly, talking about. You know, David Lynch and stuff, and me and my my future wife talking for half hours at a time, and yes, whatever. Lovely. Just just go to the vspot.fm and do that one because it yeah, kind of sometimes that's makes the easiest me money. One for me to tell people to do. And you know what you should all also do? You should like, subscribe, and follow Rock Candy Podcast. <laughs> It sounded so sober. It really did. What's that like? It's weird, right? (laughs) But yes, come and uh, follow us on all the social medias. We're at Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. But then on Instagram and Facebook, we are at Rock Candy Podcast. Because they're the good platforms. Because I guess. But they're not. They're really shitty. They're very bad. They're old. They're they're Russians. They're very bad. Oh my God. But then also, you know what? Just basic bitch it at 
our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. You can comment on our shit, and you can also send us emails. We like. Oh emails. my god! Please send them emails. Do you know how <laughs> satisfying it is to get an email as a it podcast? Is really it's satisfying. almost so like getting good. a real letter. It's like in your heroin. But you know oh my what? god! Don't do heroin. If though. you enjoyed <laughs> all of this, or you don't want to do heroin. Just leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because yeah. that's how people notice us and we can continue to push the message of not doing fucking heroin. Oh my God, don't do heroin! <laughs> oh my God. And with that, motherfucker. Before Andy uh, literally explodes. Oh, party God. on, Ashley and Andy. Party, party on, fucking Maggie on. and Andy. And party on, you crazy kids out there. I have to pee. Long live Gua! Balls out. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you.